Hey guys, welcome back to this week's podcast. Today we are continuing through our series, Timeless, where we're talking about core doctrines of the Christian faith. In this episode, we will be answering one of the most important theological questions, who is Jesus? As we begin, one thing we must understand is that the Bible is more than a historical document full of information. We just don't want to know the information about Jesus, but really, the Bible itself is a divinely authorized book telling us an uncorruptible story of who Jesus is and what he has come to do, even more so that Jesus, the Bible says, speaks to us today. Therefore, the gospel narratives, which are centered on his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, give us an accurate account of who he is. It's in these narrative stories that share Jesus's uniqueness with us. Now, in today's world, just like in Jesus's time, people were skeptical and are skeptical today about who Jesus is. They argue, debate, and defend their idea of who this man was and what he came to do. Throughout the centuries, great thinkers and scholars have tried to uncover the true Jesus of Nazareth, coming out with new ideas and ways of explaining what really happened 2,000 years ago. Some have claimed he was a cynic philosopher or just a moral teacher. Others say he was a healer or a sage. More recently, people make Jesus out to be whatever they want him to be. We have Republican Jesus. We have Trump Jesus. We have Democrat Jesus. We have therapeutic Jesus. We have hipster Jesus and even, oh yes, boyfriend Jesus. Although some of these are quite funny, their accuracy exposes one of the most important questions anyone can ever ask themselves. Who do I say Jesus is? Almost every year, Life magazine begs the question during the Christmas season. On the cover page is a picture of Jesus with a thought-provoking question, who do you say that I am? In the article introduction of this newspaper, the writer says, to some, Jesus is the Son of God, the anointed, the Christ, born to a virgin just 2,000 years ago. To others, Jesus is just a man, though a man who spurred, through his teachings and excellent life, several faiths now incorporated into Christianity. And still, to others, he is little more than a myth. Maybe he lived, they say, but his stature as a transcendent human being is a novelistic invention of Paul and the gospel writers who required a charismatic anchor for their growing churches. He is, some say, an idea. Needless to say, Jesus cannot just be some sort of moral good teacher or even a made-up idea. The Bible does not allow us to make this conclusion about Jesus, that we actually would see him more accurately through the scriptures. Now, although there are many places where we can come to see the true Jesus in the scriptures, Mark's gospel opens with these words, Mark 1, 1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This gospel immediately reveals a simple truth, that the good news is centered around God's Son, Jesus, who is the anointed Christ. Mark's usage of the phrase, the Son of God, goes beyond the Roman title of Jesus' time as an emperor or king. More so, it points to Jesus being the one whom all scripture leads to. The Messiah has come to administer God's rule and rescue for his people. Jesus not only is a type of God, though, he is a co-equal 
co-eternal with the triune Godhead. Another way of understanding this is that the Son of God is God the Son. For his sonship with the Father is unique in the sense that they share glory, power, and honor. For they are one, yet three, Father, Son, and Spirit. Jesus being the second person of the Trinity is crucial for us to acknowledge because it reveals his true divine nature. That he is more than a mere moral teacher. He is more than a sage, more than a godlike person. He is God incarnate, whose scripture says is the very nature and imprint of God. He is the brilliance of God, and he has communicated his very nature and attributes to us. Hebrews 1.3 says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. To say that Jesus radiates the glory of God means that the Son perfectly reveals the Father's true character in his incarnation and crucifixion. Jesus himself testifies of this truth by saying in John 14.9, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. As one commentator put it, As warmth and light are felt by the beaming sun, so it is with God and his son Jesus. Jesus' divinity is clearly what the Bible teaches and gives witness to. It is what the true church has always believed and defended, and it was the very true aspect of Jesus' life that the disciples embraced and still confess today. The question we must ask now is, how has Jesus displayed the Father to us? Well, we see it mostly displayed through God becoming incarnate. In 1 John 4, 8 through 9, it says, God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. God's attribute of love is more than just words found in a notebook. His love was made manifest amongst us. We see God in his love displayed deeply through the sending of his son to redeem those whom he loved. These words echo a very famous passage we all know. Earlier in the Apostle John's life, he wrote the words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. Now, most of the time when we read this, we think of God being so, so in love with us that he sent his son Jesus to save us. Although there's nothing wrong with thinking God is madly in love with you, the word so is not to describe the intensity of God's love, but rather the validation of it. Therefore, the text might read better as, For God loved the world, in this way he gave his only Son. Again, God proves his love through action. He sent his Son Jesus into the world, a world that had rejected and rebelled against God. A place full of sin, pollution, and corruption. A place undeserving of love, yet love came anyway. See, he came into an unpleasant world, searching for us even when we weren't searching for him, in order that through him we would come to know him and his extravagant love. Now, I know some people might think, why would God love me in this way? Perhaps in the past you've been deeply wounded by all kinds of false loves, and now you question in your heart, does anyone really love me? Today, the Jesus of the Bible, the true Jesus of Nazareth, the one who has good news 
says that despite your past and all your hurt, all the hurt that you've experienced in this broken world, that he loves you, that he will always love you, for he is true love. Knowing this allows us to recognize that what has taken place in the gospel was not a reaction or afterthought from God the Father, but that God the Father, through the prophets of old, had planned all along to send his Son into the world to save sinners because of who he is, because he is love. Understanding Jesus displays God's perfect love for us, and it allows us to realize that we can trust him and his word. For he is immutable, never changing, and his love is always consistent. And because of this truth, we can find confidence in our future. The whole gospel, better yet, the whole biblical narrative, is centered on the one who is the true Son of God, who has come to reconcile the world to himself and make all things new. What is astonishing to think about is that our excitement does not end with Jesus' incarnation. In fact, today, the Bible calls us to another eager expectation. Not only some far-off event, but one, as Scripture implies, a demonstration of God's power and continuation of the kingdom through His Spirit. For when Christ rose from the grave, 40 days later, He ascended into heaven and sat down to serve, to serve us as prophet, priest, and king. And when He did so, the Spirit descended into the world to continue his kingdom work. For him to sit enthroned today means that he speaks, that he's interceding for us, and that he's ruling over our lives each and every day, transforming sinners into saints. John the Baptist understood who the Messiah was, and he recognized Jesus' divinity and mission when he first saw him coming into the world. He preached in light of who he knew Christ to be, And it was twofold. He was preaching a message of God in the present, but also a God in the future. As one commentator said, he was forthtelling and he was foretelling the message of the Messiah. John's message was forthtelling by calling people to repentance, but also foretelling by revealing the way to the coming Messiah that he would be more powerful than John. So much so that he said, after me comes he who is mightier than I the strap of whose sandals I am unworthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What John says here is quite perplexing. John seems to know something unique about the anointed one, the Messiah. He knew that the Christ would come in the flesh and blood. His messianic expectation was beyond even his contemporaries. He knew the turning point of all humanity was approaching and would come like no one had ever imagined. Moreover, John knew that his ministry was just a foreshadow of what was to come. For the Messiah would come and outpour the Spirit. The Spirit was a sign of spiritual renewal to God's people. Isaiah 44.3 says, For I will pour out on the thirsty land and the streams of the dry ground. And I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. What we must grasp from this reading is that Christ's power was not only displayed through his earthly ministry or even his resurrection, but most importantly through the power of the spirit into the life of the follower. Not only did this happen on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, but when God poured out his spirit on the kingdom, it means that today that those who believe in Jesus would be empowered and emboldened 
to continue his work. The mark of the Spirit upon the believer is the display of Christ's power into the world. For when the believer is full of God's Spirit, all he is and all he does will point back to Jesus. In closing, I wonder how many of us have seemingly heard about Jesus and even know about Jesus, know things about him. Maybe we know the Bible well, but have never truly received him as King and Lord. Maybe you've done all that you can to make life seem fulfilling and yet have found yourself feeling empty, knowing deep down that Jesus is not really ruling and reigning your heart. Perhaps you tried giving him a little bit of your life, but have not completely given your life to him. Pastor Greg has said before, if he is not Lord over all, he is not Lord at all. Today you are met with the eternal question that has dominated the world for the last 2,000 years. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you believe him to be the Son of God? Do you believe that he is greater than all prophets, powers, and people? Friends, the Spirit of God has revealed who Jesus really is. And we, well, we must respond to it. Again, the Bible is not just a bunch of information that we affirm. That's not what we do as Christians. That's not theology. It's not handed down information. Rather, theology is centered around a book of transformation. Better yet, it's a book that tells us about a person. And because of that, because Jesus is who he is, we live in light of it, that we live in light of his reality. Therefore, if you hear Jesus speaking today, do not harden your heart. The message of the gospel is not just something that we intellectually believe in, but it's something that changes the way that we live our life. And guess what? This message of the gospel is not just for the non-believer. It's not just for the wayward Christian. This message is for all Christians. We need to hear it too. We need to align our hearts and our wills in the way that we do things with who Jesus is. Let us then, in light of all of that, live worthy of the gospel, knowing our Savior is Lord and King, that he's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Well, thank you for tuning in this week. And until next time, may the peace of God be with you all.